0: Man, it's a been an interesting week at the home. Um, all three of our daughters are in college now, and so that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's expensive, it's cool. Um, it's expensive. Did I mention that already? <laughs> but it's it's neat. It's neat. Kind of like that whole idea of oh, almost empty nest kind of feeling that we get there, and. Uh, and then we're watching two kids <laughs> this week. That's interesting. One of them 10 months, the other one 3, 4 years old. And uh, it, what's interesting about that situation is, uh, here we go again. You, you know that feeling? <laughs> that feeling, here we go again. Okay, I'd be like sitting with uh, the, the boy and he's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to go uh, tackle my sister. No. Don't do that. She's 10 months old. Well, your rules are too oppressive. So he goes over there, knocks her down, she cries. She's hurt. Now he's hurt because he's got to go sit down, time out, you know? So, uh how's that working for you? You know, how's your plan working for you? Another time, um we got a dog. We tell him, you know, keep distance. I know you like her dog, but just keep your distance. I don't like that idea. That's a little too oppressive. Let me get right in the dog's face. Hey, doggy, doggy. rope! That's what happens. Ah, you know rules are oppressive aren't they why do, you think, why do you think Lisa and I tell these two don't do that don't do that is it because we, we hate these kids and, and we want what's worse for them no you know what I'm talking about we give these rules because we love them and we want them to, to be free to live all that God wants for them and whatever that means whatever capacity that is you know that's very similar to the heart of God and why He gives us these Ten Commandments. You see, two point five million people in, in Israel were in slavery, physical, hard slavery. Four hundred years, four generations, over and over and over again, they worshipped uh, these false gods. They worked for um, for another nation, for another king, and it was all forced labor. And then God comes in. He redeems them. He saves them. Allows them to cross through the Red Sea, getting towards the promised land. But before they were to go into the promised land, God says, listen, I have set you free. But I want you to be a people who stays free. And so because of this, I'm going to give you ten words, ten commandments, so that you can know what freedom is. You can live out the freedom that you have been given By me. And we look at the people and we see that they break them all the time. And we laugh. We think, oh my goodness. If I were them, I wouldn't do that. And yet, you and I still struggle with the same sins that we have been freed from. Don't we? We still struggle with how to live free and faithful to God, still struggling to break sinful habits and patterns, still struggling to love God with everything we are and our neighbors as ourselves. Why? Because we have been consumed our whole lives with loving ourselves. So then God graciously gives us these, these 10 commandments and really all the commandments in the scriptures to teach us how to properly relate to Him and others, not following these commands. They're going to lead to broken relationships with God and others. So what I want us to do now, you're like, we've already covered the Ten Commandments. We finished last week, right? Do not covet. True. But we need to kind of tie this up. And we need to see, we need to see God's heart on this issue. And I hope that today makes a lot of sense to you. But I think before we do it, let's review. All right? The first, uh, the, well, the Ten Commandments. Let's review these. Number one, no other gods before me. Okay, that's, God is warning us against false replacements. In this command, we, we see that God is a, is a jealous God. And that's a good thing. And here's why. God loves you so much that he wants what's best for you. Well, guess what happens to be best for you? Having a relationship with the one true God. Any other idol, any other uh, God that, that we try to go after is always going to leave us empty. It's always going to be, at best, second best. And so God is passionate about you and I doing what is the most good, what is the most right. And that just happens to be Him. Because He is omni-everything. All-powerful. Almighty, All-knowing. omnibenevolent, All-loving. Everything that God does is good. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James says. And so God... Causes us, calls us to worship him alone. This is number two. No images or idols to describe me. Nothing in this world can accurately depict how good and how great our God is. To do that, you're going to give the world a false depiction of who God is. You're going to give a false physical representation of who he is. So God says, don't do that. Worship me in spirit and in truth. Number three, no taking of God's name in a purposeless name. Remember, don't take his name in vain. It's not just using, you know, OMG or or GD or things like that that that, that we immediately run to. The word vain means empty words to use God's uh, words or to use your words about God in an empty way. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't love you, okay? Now, none of us would say that, right? But we do by our actions, by the things that we post on Facebook. We give people a false representation of who we are by the words that we use. And so so God warns us against doing such a thing. And number four, remember the Sabbath. Remember rest. To keep it holy what we learned in that one particularly is that all the other nine commandments were were highlighted and edified in the new testament this right here has been totally fulfilled in christ now does that mean that that we shouldn't take sabbath absolutely not we need to we were made to be people who take rest the problem is some of us take too much rest and the other problem is some of you don't rest enough which means you're not dependent on god You're dependent on yourself. So remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. It was totally fulfilled in Christ. But it was made to be received. By you and I. Hebrews 4. Number 5. Honor God's representatives to us. Your parents. We are to honor them. Because that's where the shift comes from. From loving God with everything we are. To loving our neighbor. The shift commandment is number 5. Because your parents should... In normal circumstances, your parents should be that first authority in your life, should be that that physical um, picture of God in your life. There's someone that you are to honor, there's someone that you are to reverence, and that you are to respect. Number six, do not murder. Why? Because God values human life, right? Every human life, God values. So to get angry at somebody is to murder them in your heart. We talked about that. How about this? Do not commit adultery. God values the commitment and the covenant of marriage. But Jesus went even further. He said that God values the commitment and covenant in marriage, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. So for us to lust after people, it's committing adultery in our hearts if we're married or they're married, it's committing adultery in our hearts. And immediately you're like, oh, so that means if I'm not married, they're not married. Whoa, whoa, whoa. slow down. There's, there's a whole other word for that, sexual immorality. All right? God has made uh, the issue of sex. And, of course, that's where, this is the one where we had the kids leave the room, so I'll just kind of give the PG version of it. Um, God made the relationships that we have with our spouse something to be absolutely special, something to desire. In the great context that God has given. Anything outside of that, well, this is this is why God gives us these laws. Because that will break God's heart and it'll hurt our relationships with others. Which brings me to number eight. Do not steal. You know what God values? He values trust. He does everything for us to know that He is trustworthy, that we can we can believe in Him. He wants us to be emulators of that to other people. Do not steal. God values trust and gratitude. Number nine, do not bear false witness. God values truth, honesty, and integrity. And we are to be people who bear false, I mean, to bear the truth. We are to be people who bear the truth in every aspect of our lives. Our public, our private, in court, out of court, wherever we are, we are to be people of truth. And then number 10, do not desire what is not yours to have. Do not desire what is not yours to have. You know what God desires of us? And this is the big one. We talked about it last week. God desires contentment. He desires for us to be a thankful people. Anything outside of that is going to cause pain. It's going to cause hatred towards other people. Jealousy. The wrong kind of jealousy. These right here, these Ten Commandments, these are great laws why? Why are these great laws? It's not because of brilliant grammar. Although I'm not smart enough to tell you if it is or isn't. So, uh, these are not great laws because of its simplicity. And they are pretty simple, aren't they? Pretty cut and dry, point blank. These are not great laws because of just plain common sense. You know, even, even people outside of the church, outside of a relationship with God, can look at those and say... Well, I don't believe God gave them to us, but they, they're pretty good stuff to live by. These are not why they're great laws. The reason that these are great laws is because of the one who gave it to us. He is the great law giver. Do not forget Exodus chapter 20 verse 1. The very beginning of these commands says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. Do you catch that? He is the Lord our God who rescued us from sin and death. He is the one who rescued the Israelites from 400 years of slavery and captivity and bondage. He is the God who pursues us constantly and loves us and and gets us to set upon a rock. And even when we slip and fall, He's there as the good, good Father to pick us up and to set us on the rock. Constantly and continuously the word Lord there. I am the Lord your God. Remember we talked about this It's God's personal name Yahweh He is the promise keeping the covenant keeping God. It's his personal name that he gives to his people And the word God means sovereign Okay, Elohim sovereign God his name visualizes God as creator with all power all authority and all might What I have just given you now is the review of the past 10 weeks Right. The review of the past 10 weeks, what we have, have walked through. And we've got to keep this in our minds that God gives us these commands for a good reason. Now, with all this said, what should we talk about today? How about the reaction of the Israelites to these 10 commandments? That would be a pretty good, interesting, that would be an interesting close to this series. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, and if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to also uh, turn, because we're going to spend the most of our time in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's whenever he gives the the commands again to the new generation, those that didn't, you know, die off in the wilderness. And he kind of uh, shares the story about what happened the first time, which is in Exodus chapter 20. So in Exodus chapter 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. Therefore, Ten Commandments. Don't have any other gods before me. Look at verse 18. Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. This is crazy. Now when the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet... And the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. So God himself brought all the nation together uh, to the bottom of this mountain. And at this point, he proclaims, I am God. I am the one who rescued you. Therefore, and he lists these ten commandments, they hear the voice of God. They see the power of God. They're like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, this is absolutely insane. That's what they saw. That's what they witnessed. And so Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 4, I said turn to 5, but also chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, he kind of recaps what took place there. He says, Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. There was fire, there was smoke on this mountain. It was an insane sight to see. And he says, And you heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. Really, try to imagine what the Israelites saw here a mountain quaking, smoking, fire. They didn't see a form, but they only heard a voice. And it says, And he, God, he declared to you his covenant. Which he commanded you to perform. That is the ten commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And then verse 22 of chapter 5 says this. Chapter 5 verse 22 says this. These words the Lord spoke to you. To all your assembly. At the mountain. Out of the midst of the fire. The cloud and the thick darkness with A loud voice. That would have been pretty interesting. I mean, I would have bought tickets to see that. I mean, that is insane what went on. How would you react to a situation like that? Mountains trembling, the voice of God. You don't see a form. You just, you hear God's voice. You know it's his voice. No sound system can can come even close to that. Would you look at that and go, hmm, that's pretty cool. What are we having for dinner? More than likely, you would not. More than likely, we would not. What was Israel's reaction? Folks, we... I'm going to lay the cards out. I'm afraid many of us act the same way Israel did. And at first, we're going to appreciate that. But there's something that may be missing in our lives. And that's why I cannot end it with last week. Here's Israel's reaction. Number one, it was fear. They were shaking in their boots. Oh, sandals. Whatever you want to call it. Um, Deuteronomy 5, 23 to 26. Listen to what it says. And as soon... This is Moses saying, as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst, that loud voice, as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, to Moses, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man is still alive. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire is going to consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we're going to die. For who is there of all flesh that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out in the midst of the fire as we have and has still lived? We can appreciate that, can't we? After what they just experienced, what they just heard, they're scared to death. They heard the voice of the creator of all things, the rescuer of this nation. They actually heard his voice and they were scared to death. So, what they did was they got the elders uh, uh, of, the, of the different tribes, they came up to Moses and said, Listen, we're scared. We're very scared. What what can we do about this? So fear was the first reaction. The second reaction was a promise of obedience. Let's read on verse 27. So they told Moses this. Go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say. And then speak to us. Speak to us all. That the uh, word our Lord God will speak to you. And we will hear it and do it. Here's what they said. His voice is too scary for us. Would you mind, Moses, you just having a quiet conversation with God? And then just kind of give us, you know, the, the Cliff Notes version? You do all that and then, then you come back and then you tell us what God, what God wants us to hear. And, and guess what? We're going to obey it. What do you think of that? Very God, a very God on a mountain speaking. People are scared to death. And they're they're so scared to death, they said, Moses, we can't, this is too close. Uh, Can you go ahead and be our representative? Can you you speak to God and then come speak to us because you're a man? Okay, we can handle your voice. We can't handle his anymore. If something like this happened in churches today, you know what we would do? We would say revival is beginning, wouldn't we? We've heard the voice of God, and so we're scared to death. So let's go ahead and obey Him. We're going to obey Him fully. They heard the boom, they heard the flash, they felt the fear, and then they gave a promise. Aren't those the ingredients for revival? Isn't that what Buck Creek Baptist Church needs? Fear and obedience? No. No. We know what we need to be and to do we need to see God's interpretation of this story look in verse 28 and the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you <laughs> they are right and all that they have spoken so they saw the power of God and they feared the wrath of God You know what that's called, church? That's called religion. They're going to obey out of obligation. They're going to obey out of religious duty. Here it comes. They will misunderstand the heart of God. They will redefine the will of God. Ultimately, they will, thinking they're doing the right thing, they will disobey God. Then they will worship another God. And then they will worship themselves. Welcome to religion. Well, Scott, aren't you taking that a little far? Uh, have you read the rest of the book? I don't want anything to do with this, God. You know, preacher, you just give us what, what we need to know and we'll, and we'll, you know, obey it. That's not God's heart. Look in verse 29. Well, I got to read 28 to also get the feel of this. And the Lord heard your words. Okay, remember they said, Moses, you be the man. We'll just listen and obey you. God's too scary. And the Lord heard the words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep my commands. That it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Here's what God desires of us. He desires a willing heart that continually fears and obeys God. You see, revival is not about numbers. It's not about activities. It's not about programs. It's not about music. And it's not about message. Revival is about getting real with God and real with others. And restoring relationship with both. That's what revival is. It is, yes, a godly fear. A godly fear will not cause us to run from Him, but towards Him. A godly fear will cause us to confess our sins. To seek forgiveness of others. And to give out forgiveness to those who have offended us. Here's the part they missed. Remember they had uh, godly fear and obligation obedience? Here's what they missed, which is number two. A restored relationship. A restored relationship. That's what God wants for these people. He wants them to have a heart obedience, not an outward obligatory obedience. So after a restored relationship, then the obedience comes, confessing Christ as Lord, obeying the Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what God desires. They've missed the mental part. They've missed the relational part. And it's because of that, that in just a few weeks, the people of Israel would make a golden calf and ultimately worship themselves. A few weeks later, They would look right near where God was going to give them their rest, their Sabbath. And they would reject it. They would reject it because, again, they trusted in themselves. Forty years of wandering because they did not trust God. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Does the power of God comfort you or disturb you? Is his words a delight to you? When you read, when you hear his message proclaimed, do you fear him as well? He's God. He is worthy of our worship and our following and our commitments and all these things. He's worthy of it. Wow, I love my Savior. I love my God. And because I love him, God, it's all yours. Whatever you want me to do, Whoever you want me to speak to, however you want me to live, the answer is yes. Or do you live a life of fear saying, man, if I don't do this, God's going to zap me and I got to work my way to heaven. So let me go ahead and obey. And you miss the middle step. Israel missed it. Moses didn't. Moses was the one who gladly went up and spent time with God. He was the one who would gladly hear the words of God. Moses was the one that whenever they had sinned over and over again, God said, listen, if I come down there, I'm going to wipe out these people. They are constantly disobeying me. So I tell you what, I'm going to let you all go into the promised land, but I'm not going to be in your midst because if I do, it's going to be bad. Moses said, God, if your presence doesn't come with us, I don't want to go. Let me ask you, 10 commandments. Is it drudgery or a delight? Do you look at these ten and you you look at your life and you're like, ah, this is why, this is why God gave me these commands. So that I can experience the freedom that God always wants me to have. And I know when I disobey them, I get back into slavery. Or do you see him like those two kids that are hanging out at our house this week? Your rules are too hard. Let me lick the dog. God's looking for you and I are people who don't just quote Bible verses. Don't just attend a small group because it's the thing to do. He's not looking for people to repost and share pictures that say, if you post this, Jesus will bless you in the next twenty four hours. He's looking for people who love him so much. They're willing to do anything for the one who did everything for them. So I ask you: We close the book on this series. What is your desire following God? Is it fear and forced obedience? Or is it a holy fear and love of God that draws you more towards Him and towards relationship with others, which then brings relationship? One commentator says it this way. God told Moses that He wanted the people to incline their ears to fear Him, to want to respect and obey Him. There is a difference between doing something because it is required and doing something because we want to. God is not interested in forced religious exercises and rule keeping. He wants our hearts and lives completely dedicated to Him. Listen. If we love Him. If we love Him. Obedience will follow. Heart obedience. Comes from relationship. Not the other way around. The... So, where are you today? Are you still like in the New Testament There is a, a rich young ruler Who comes to Jesus Christ Son of God while he's walking on the earth And he says what good thing Must I do to inherit eternal life Jesus says Well you know the commands Don't steal you know, Don't lie, don't murder And he's like ah, I've done all that okay, I'm scared of God and, and I've checked off My list, I've done all that when God comes to the heart, Jesus says, All right, if you, really, if you really say what you believe or believe what you say, why don't you go ahead and give everything away and come follow him? The man bowed his head, walked away, sorrowful. Why? Because he had many possessions. The point of that story isn't uh, just about writing a check. The point of that story is this man, at best, was a religious person at worst, no relationship with God whatsoever. He walked away sorrowful. Who are you today? Who are you today? Are you a person who upholds your religion because God said I had to? Or do you flaunt you glory and the fact that By his grace and his alone you're a child of God, saved from sin, slavery, and death. And now it's like, shh, whatever you want to do, the answer is yes. Trust you that much. Let me pray for you. Father God. I know this was a simple message. But it's, got, it's one that I need to hear. I put you in a box so much thinking that I can figure you out. And if I just do things, Lord, that I will win your love. Forgetting, Lord, that without you I am absolutely unlovable. There's nothing good in and of me. Save the fact that Jesus came to save us. So God, when I look at your word, From this moment on, may as the scriptures say, may your law be more than just what's on our lips. May we, like David said, to delight to do your will. Lord, would you please put your good, holy, righteous fear in our hearts so that we will not turn from you. God, may we see that your word is life and your will is perfect. There is no other way that can lead us to freedom from sin, deliverance from guilt and shame, or to peace with God except through a relationship with you. God the Apostle Peter said it so boldly when he said Lord to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So God I pray Lord that this morning that we would fear you. You're a God who cannot be ignored. And God that as we draw close to you that we would love you because the scripture says that it is your kindness that leads us to salvation your salvation is based on love and justice you are almighty to think that you are a God who's got all power and you can do anything you want and you have every right to send justice upon us for our sin, and yet you use almighty power to raise Jesus from the dead so that we can all have eternal life. Thank you, God. May that love for you cause us to obey you so that we can not only experience freedom from Christ for all eternity, but in this very day today. God, that we would know that if we truly, worshipfully, and lovingly fear you, we will have nothing else to fear. For it is in the name of Jesus, I plead all this. Amen.